My guest today is Niklas Lang. Niklas is the global practice leader at Boston Consulting Group. We will be talking about important topics relating to the global economy, to a book that he uh, co-wrote called Beyond Great, and as well a bit of career advice tips on how to grow in your consulting career and in a company such as Boston Consulting Group. So this is a very uh, interesting interview to uh, listen to, and it is far from being the first. If it is the first time that you uh, listen to the podcast, it is actually episode 109, and we have more than about 80 different interviews that are already live. So that's something that you can uh, listen to. Also, if you appreciate the show and if you like this uh, episode, don't hesitate to leave a review about the show, whether it is on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, or you can also uh, get in touch directly with me on LinkedIn or at my uh, email address, diagene at erphappy.com. So without further ado, let's listen to uh, Niklas Lang. Welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Diogen Tirandekura. On this show, you will discover the realities, the successes and the struggles of business management and information technology consultants in the fast-moving B2B world. So stay tuned if you want to know more about what it takes to have a consulting lifestyle. Hello and uh, welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle to Niklas Lang. Niklas, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me today. Yes, I'm also excited to have you. And I think you are the first person uh, that is working at a company like a Boston Consulting Group that is a guest into the into the show. So I think it will be very interesting to talk about that today. Could you, uh, for the audience, introduce yourself, Niklas? Yes, with pleasure, Diogen. So yeah, I'm I'm Austrian by birth. I am actually currently living in Munich. I joined BCG some 25 years ago in the mid-1990s, starting with an internship. Then I went back to university for a PhD and rejoined a couple of years later. And since then, I've been working at BCG industry-wise, primarily in the automotive and mobility area. I've had the pleasure to work at BCG in very different locations. I worked in 50 of our 95 offices on every continent. And I would say lately I have been spending my time around two topics. One is everything around future of mobility, like autonomous cars, connected cars, electrification of mobility. And the second part is uh, around uh, globalization. So it's around geopolitics and trade. It's around joint ventures and alliances. And in that second part, I'm actually holding the role as a global practice leader at BCG. So I'm running our global advantage practice, which is dedicated to this type of topics. As I mentioned, geopolitics, trade, joint venture, alliances. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, I think these are all great topics to approach. One thing is that you, so you're a global practice leader in those topics. So you have not started as a global practice leader 25 years ago. So how does it look like if a consultant that has started his career or think about starting a career or someone that comes from the industry and wants to go into consulting, what are the main steps or the main attitudes and skills that people should think about acquiring if they want to grow a career at a company like Boston uh, Consulting Group? Yeah, well, obviously, yes. I think these 25 years have been a passionating time. And I, I think I really enjoyed, I think, the development over that time. I'm actually not, well, I'm not an industry hire. Yeah. So I came more or less straight from university. I had done a few internships before, but I really came from the university. I had an MBA, I did a PhD, and then I started uh, at BCG. And went, I think, through the normal curriculum at BCG. So starting as a, as a consultant, where you obviously look 
focus a lot on on analytics, uh, interviewing skills, and so on, and then moving on to project leader and principal, where you are much more into the project management process. I was elected then partner in 2006, where you are obviously then uh, active in, in in driving big projects in engaging with clients in in pushing obviously the engagements along a variety of different dimensions and i think over the last 15 years then as a partner or as a managing director and partner at bcg you evolve obviously both geographically and content wise and i think then now three years ago i took over the role of a global practice leader so a little bit that's the overview of the 25 years student yeah okay okay great and uh, you having uh, worked in 50 different offices maybe it's 50 different countries and uh, now in global trade and geopolitics maybe what are the things that have what is the current situation what are the current issues or the current point of attention for uh, organizations with regards to that in general i think that's a very relevant question diogen and i think that brings us a little bit maybe also to the topic we wanted to discuss today around the book which i had uh, written with two colleagues called beyond great because i think that's exactly a book that is geared towards providing companies with uh, some guidelines uh, in how to thrive in an ever-changing and challenging environment. Let me maybe step back and say, why did we write this book and what are the three, three areas on tension we see as, as, as relevant? And we have actually called the book Beyond Great and Nine Strategies uh, to Thrive in an Era of uh, Social Tension, Economic Nationalism and Digital Transformation. And these three elements, I think, are the elements we believe being really highly relevant. So so let me take them one by one. Mm-hmm. I think first, social tension. I think social tension is becoming very prevalent around the world, both, uh, I think, when it comes to climate change. And obviously, if we have seen what has happened just in the last months between hurricanes and forest uh, fires and mm-hmm. things like this around the world, I think we see that the climate is changing and I think we need to urgently really act on this. And I must say that in the last couple of years, there has been a lot of ESG initiatives, but I still think it's not good enough and we need to continue to push in that direction. But social tension has also another dimension, which has to do with really social inequality. Uh, And if you look at the movements like we had the Gilets Jaunes in France two years ago, the unrest in Chile, but also many other places, I think we see that uh, wealth and well-being is unequally distributed. And that that's kind of really bringing uh, a lot of challenges to companies. So I think... That's something which is one of the big forces we see. The second force is economic nationalism. When you look at economic nationalism, I think what you see here is that over the last, I would say, 70 years, um, the world was used to live, or most of the Western world was used to live in a free trade paradigm. You know, our grandfathers had decided the Bretton Woods conference. This was in 1944, in the last year of the World War II. They had said, if we want to avoid again a World War II, we need to have an open free trade. We need to have a monetary system that works and things like this. So that's generated a world where the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s of the last century were really characterized by free trade. And then with the end of the Soviet Union and the opening of China, we had two other great powers that joined this this paradigm to a certain extent. And then come the 2010s with very different movements. And it's Brexit in Europe. It was the foreign trade policy of the Trump administration and so on and so on that triggered suddenly the fact 
um, we have export restrictions and so on and so on. So economic nationalism is a second reality. Yeah, mm-hmm. And then there's a third reality, which is digital transformation. Yeah, And it's funny because, well, my eldest daughter is 14 years old and the iPhone is also 14 years old. So it feels like long and short at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but if you imagine what uh, smartphones have done to us and how digital transformation has evolved over the years, I personally think that this is also something which we need to take into account as a new reality. So in a nutshell, these are the three messages. I think social tension, economic nationalism and digital transformation are three big themes that create a completely new reality for companies, realities that were not around 10 years ago. And that's why we believe it's important to really rethink how companies are positioning themselves. Yeah, that's important. Do you also advise public organizations, governments or uh, non-governmental international organizations on it? Because they they have some influence on those subjects. Of course, of course, yes. And by the way, we just published an article geared towards gov- government to saying, okay, how can governments actually create an environment for beyond great companies? Because we believe that public institutions in different forms and shape play an important role on social tension, obviously, because they will, they are setting the framework for all the decarbonization initiatives we're seeing around the world. But all, obviously, they are putting a clear guideline on how much economic nationalism do we experience and how much not. And on digital transformation, I would say as digital becomes ever more prevalent, you will need to have some guardrails and we see governments putting them up, whether it is in form of taxes or other guidelines. So yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's so important. Yeah, the, the digital transformation is changing uh, so many things. As you said, a phone, 14 years old, before it was only used to make calls, receive calls. Now you can literally run, almost run an organization with a phone. So that's very important. I was uh, wondering as well on those three subjects, you have, you and your team have a lot of expertise. How as a, as a consultant, can you inform or educate, I want to say your uh, clients about the the results of working with your organization because beyond saying what is the the status what is happening you certainly recommend uh, actions to take to your uh, organization to the to your uh, clients sorry yeah of course i think on all of these topics it's not about describing the reality i think describing the reality is really just the the, the initial starting pattern for any for all that follows yeah so mm-hmm. Let's take the example of social tension and climate change. I think we're supporting many of our clients on various ESG initiatives. How do you set your ESG initiatives? What is the content of ESG initiatives? What is it? What is a suitable ESG governance model in a global company, for example? Yeah. On economic nationalism, I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. If you have suddenly changes in tariffs and trade, uh, clients face uh, the question about, oh, should I resource specific uh, commodity groups from other countries? Where do I find suppliers for these commodity groups? That's something which which, which plays an important role. On digital transformation, well, uh, the areas of interest are broad from asking yourself, uh, is my is my legacy IT actually fit for the for the challenge? To maybe asking questions like, well, couldn't we set up completely new digital businesses, digital ventures that didn't exist 10 years ago because we just didn't have the infrastructure, we didn't understand the customer needs or the customer needs were still not relevant. So I think that's a little bit the areas we are actually covering, yes. 
Great. And one thing that you mentioned also at the start of the interview is on uh, mobility. More and more, I, I live in Canada and I don't want to, to give the wrong year, but I know that it, in the course of the decade of the 2030, there will be a, a regulation that has asked automotive manufacturers to uh, prioritize, I don't remember which percentage, but prioritize their production on uh, electric vehicles. Mm. So it's because I, I don't, I, I didn't know that there are uh, consulting companies that already have a mobility uh, uh, practice with regards to that. So uh, are you at the forefront of it or do you see other uh, other organizations advising uh, companies on that? Well, so I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Canada actually banned combustion engine by 2040, Yeah, the sale of combustion engine by 2040. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think we have been at BCG spending a lot of resources and effort uh, and brain power to really position ourselves in this uh, new mobility area. We personally think that, especially when you talk about road-based mobility, the industry is undergoing in the 2020s, I think, the biggest revolutionary decade in their whole existence. You know, the, the combustion engine was invented Somewhere in the late 19th century, it's now somehow, uh, depending on which combustion engine you take, it's somewhere between 130 and 140 years old. And I think personally that will, this decade in which we are, the 2020s will be, I think, one of the massive changes of the industry, not only because of electrification, but also because we will see more and more cars that are really fully connected to the internet. So cars which you can monitor, cars where you can offer flexible insurances for it's also a, a, a decade where we'll see an increasing amount of autonomous vehicles. I always say don't get too excited. I think it will take many decades until we have all vehicles autonomous. But what we will see, I think, in this decade is we will see specific city districts uh, where autonomous vehicles will take over portions of the public or private transport. So I think this is a fascinating time where actually you, we see a ma- big difference in the way how autonomous, uh, how mobility is shaping our reality. Yes. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. As we, we are heading a bit uh, towards the, the, the end of the interview, I just have, I have uh, uh, one question. As your global practice leader at Boston Consulting Group, I would like to know and I certainly uh, listeners would like to know, like, what does a typical work week uh, look like? Oh, that's an interesting question. So the, the first question you have to ask me is whether it's pre-COVID or, or in COVID. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, yeah, think, uh, I think I'll give you the run through to both. I think on the pre-COVID time, yes, obviously, I think the reality would have been that you are most likely at least four out of five days on the road, that you are as a global practice leader trying to see your teams around the world. And that implies, of course, a lot of travel that I think it, it's always a mix sure of of of, of client work, of internal meetings, of I think also conferences which which I attend. So that's a little bit I would say the pre-COVID world. In the COVID world, well, as for everyone, everything moves back to home office. At least we had here in Europe and especially in Germany, we had two phases of re- of relatively tight lockdowns. One was in the spring 2020, and the second one extended to almost all of of, of winter 2020-2021. And during those periods of time, well, I think we I spent like 80-90% of the time in the home office. And I was actually surprised 
how well it was possible to cover most of my, I would say, professional engagements. Although now I must say I'm also super happy that it's possible and starting to be possible to see clients again face to face and teams face to face because while there is a special, of course, dimension to be together with colleagues and clients, I take a lot of uh, passion out of this. And that was, I think, one of the challenging parts of the last 18 months. Yeah, yeah, uh, very interesting. And that, that leads me to ask the, the final question of the podcast is a uh, consulting lifestyle. So uh, I would like to uh, ask you for you, uh, uh, Niklas, maybe you also have two, two answers, but uh, what does having a consulting lifestyle mean to you? Well, consulting lifestyle, I think, you know, when you're 25 years in the industry, I think you ask yourself, obviously, and you're being asked maybe even more frequently, why are you so long in the consulting industry? And I always come back with, with, with three points, which I think are every day motivating me in kind of uh, really engaging in this industry. I think number one is uh, really the the variety, the great variety of topics and the impact we can generate with clients. I think I'm always surprised by really the fact that obviously very often with the questions, you are at the forefront of specific developments as we discussed it, whether it's ESG, whether it's nationalism, whether it's digital and so on. So I think uh, that's something is really, really kind of giving me a lot of pleasure is to be on this very innovative topic. Second, I think is really the quality of the people I'm able to engage with, also at the client side, but also at BCG. I think this is something which has been something which give me always a lot of, of, of satisfaction and, and drive and engagement. And number three, I personally enjoy traveling. I personally see myself as a little bit uh, a citizen of the world, whether it's now even, <clears throat> even in the virtual world. I think being exposed to different cultures, being exposed to different realities around the world, is something which which gives me a lot of passion. So yeah, I would say those are the three things, you know, innovative topic, great people. And I think a global perspective is what I would describe as, as consulting lifestyle, as you asked, Eugene. Okay. Okay. That's perfect. That's wonderful. Niklas, I'm going to make sure as well that information about the book are in the show notes. If someone wants to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on the BCG website. Uh, okay. That's not a problem at all. Okay, perfect. I'm going to put that as well in the show notes. So uh, thank you, Niklas. It was a great discussion. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes if you have enjoyed the episode and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified to hear other episodes with your host, Diogen Tirandekura.